As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fenn. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fenn takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. Ends on court. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I am exercise the demons. This house is clear. Hey, 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 we are live. Welcome in, everybody, on this glorious Wednesday night. It is the Huddle Up Podcast live, presented by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was interesting that we received, I was I was mentioned on uh, Twitter by our friend of the show, Jeff Cohen. And he was bringing up something that I wanted to talk about on today's show, regardless, because I listened to the conversation earlier today on Denver radio. But Joel Klatt, of course, is, uh, you know, he's a college football analyst, former CU quarterback, kind of a college football guru. He was on 104.3 The Fans Morning Show today with uh, uh, Mark Schlereth and, and Mike Evans. And he was asked, you know, they were spitballing the whole Tom Brady to, to Denver and the pros and the cons. And, of course, Klatt was – He's like, you're crazy. If you if you don't want Tom Brady in Denver, if you even at his age, and basically you don't know what you're talking about. And they brought up his 
his take on Drew Locke after his five-game audition, you know, going four and one as a starter, over a thousand yards passing, seven touchdowns, three picks. What are your thoughts? And he basically said he kind of stuck to his guns on what his pre-draft um, evaluation on Locke was, which was basically that he is kind of a middle-of-the-road quarterback, not a guy that's going to bring home the bacon, not a guy that's going to bring home the Lombardi trophy. And Jeff Cohen, he that that shook our friend Jeff a little bit. He said on Twitter, listening to Joel Clapp this morning on 104.3 The Fan saying that Locke is the middle-of-the-pack QB at best, we should look to draft Tua. Locke is not a game-changer. Thoughts? And to me, Zach, all due respect to Jeff, love you, Jeff. Don't take this wrong. This isn't shade at all, my dog. I couldn't disagree more. Same. I mean, great friend of the show, Jeff. We appreciate the input and the interaction, but the guy went 4-1 and as a starter. The entire team rallied around him. The culture is changing in Denver. Why would you want to take that out for an unknown prospect coming off a major Bo Jackson-type hip injury? I, it makes no. Even if the Broncos didn't have Drew Locke, I wouldn't want them to go near Tua. But in terms of Clat, I'm not taking my cues from a guy who never made it to the NFL and who formed an opinion in the pre-draft process that went against the green from other national pundits. And Locke went four and one, and you're sticking to that opinion still. How can that even be? How is he middle of the road when he literally went four and one as a starter and transformed the Broncos into what looks like a, a contending team? It's one of those things where sometimes in media analysts they paint themselves into a corner with an opinion or an evaluation, and they just stick to their guns, even in the face of empirical evidence that would refute that evaluation. And in the case of Drew Locke, listen, he's not a finished product by any means. I mean, he still still has a lot to prove in the league, but what he showed in his first year and his rookie year in the NFL is that all of the weaknesses or cons to his game going into the draft that quote unquote made him drop to the second round, like his footwork, lack of technical discipline, uh, inability to run a pro style offense concerns around that. He proved each and every one of those, not so much wrong, but that it was a way overblown concern as it relates. I mean, his, his footwork still at times like each and every, and you guys can think back to the TV broadcast of these games, man, every color guy, focused a ton on his footwork because it was such a predominant uh, storyline on the whole Drew Locke uh, trope uh, leading up to the draft, whatever you want to call it. It's continued to be a focus. Is it perfect yet? No. However, he has shown, I think, in his first year, not only that he has improved dramatically in that aspect, but multiple other aspects as well. And that's why a guy like Clint, like I respect him, when he says something, when he makes a football evaluation or a football statement, I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to consider it, but it doesn't make it gospels that. Right. I mean, I, I respect him as a football analyst, but in terms of the Broncos, I'm going to go with my own eyes and my own eye test here. And Drew Locke is definitely the answer for Denver. But this says to me, it's a continuation of a long uh, issue for the Broncos. They, they don't get national love, Chad. Every national, even Adam Rank last year, predicting two and 14. How does he feel now? The Broncos will never get respect until they make it back into the playoffs and then some. And Drew Locke is going to be the guy taken back to that level. So he'll rub it in everyone's face next year, I think. By the way, I caught wind that Adam Rank is going to appear on our friend Brandon Perna's podcast, the That's Good Broncos podcast, I think Thursday of this week, so tomorrow, I guess. Um, So you guys might want to check that out because he is the guy, if you can think back, as Zach mentioned here, he's the NFL Network guy that predicted 2-14 and for Vic Fangio in year one. And, of course, anything we can do to help support That's Good Broncos, those guys rule. 
Let's welcome in everyone that's been hanging out in the room. Ryan, Stu, what's up? Josh, what's up? Mark Langley, what's up, my dog? Uh, let's see, Shooter McGavin, right on. What's up, Christy? Buona Beast, good to see you, Christy. It's been a few, uh, been a few days. Yes. Jason, what's up? Albert, Stephen, what's up, guys? Each one of you that been hanging out in the room, and those of you joining us live now, appreciate you. We are going to dive into your questions. Get your questions locked and loaded. No pun intended. We are going to, you know, there's not a lot happening in Broncos country this week. There's plenty to talk about, however, as it relates to your Broncos, especially looking ahead to what this offseason holds. We're going to dive into that. But first, guys, just a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts when you get some time. This is crucial. This is key. If you've not done this, leave a creative review on Apple Podcasts. If you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. And that does two things. Number one, it's a great organic way to support the show. Helps to get the show out in front of new listeners and new eventual viewers and participants in these live conversations. And it also enters you into our monthly giveaway each month, Zach and I pull a name out of the hat, randomly select a couple names of those who reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts, and then we give away some swag, whether it's a hat or a shirt or what have you. So take care of that business. We thank you in advance. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. All right, Zach. So that's the thing, man. Like Drew Locke, here, here's the, the whole thing. Let me sum this up as it relates. Um, hold on one sec here. Where'd it go? As it relates to the Tom Brady trope, let me just read this. Th- this kind of sums up my thoughts on, and this was on the written article that I had a kind of a column yesterday on the topic. My thoughts on why it's not like Tom Brady isn't worthy of consideration that he should just simply be dismissed out of hand. But here's why ultimately I believe John Elway needs to resist the temptation, resist the urge to go after him and try and recapture magic of Peyton Manning's past and all that. Here's what I said. Let Locke grow into being the franchise guy alongside his young teammates might be difficult to resist the urge, especially knowing what we do about Elway's roster building philosophies and his tricks of years past. 
But bringing in Brady, Zach, despite his six Super Bowl rings, is the quickest way to torpedo all the positive juju and momentum the Broncos have built up through a mountain of sacrifice. That's A. B, guess what? All the latest buzz that came out on Wednesday is that if wherever Tom Brady lands next, he's not looking to take a discount. He wants a 30 to $40 million a year contract. So even if you think, oh, he's got two more years left in him, are you willing to pay him $80 million for the privilege? Because that's probably what it's going to take. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't spend half of that, Chad. I just think you're not getting the same Tom Brady as 10 years ago, as five years years ago, even three years ago. It's not the same quarterback. And you have a young franchise guy. You don't need the distractions. You don't need the headlines. And you need a young, new blood at the most important position in all of sports. So the Broncos finally made the right choice here. And I think going after Brady, even expressing interest, is going back to their old habits, which I was confident that Elway kicked. Let's grab some of these questions here from our great uh, listeners. Our Super Chat superstar, Steven, jumps in with a $5 donation. He says, what do you guys think of getting Robbie Anderson this offseason? You know, I'm not opposed to it, but, Zach, here's the thing. There's a difference between being a, a long-speed vertical threat and being a dynamic playmaker that has speed but also short area quickness that can loosen things up, allow Cortland Sutton to get more one-on-one matchups. Robbie Anderson's a guy that you can line up on the outside and he's a threat on each and every play to take the top off a of defense, but I'm not sure he get, he's going to bring much more to the table than that. As opposed to think back to Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas in their prime together working in Denver, whether it was with Peyton or Simeon or whoever it was, you had Demarius Thomas as the number one, as the X receiver and Sanders could take the top off. He could burn him vertically. He could do what Robbie Anderson can ostensibly do for the Broncos offense. However, he could also, with his route running speed and short area explosion, open up things underneath, whether it's, you know, taking a a dig route or, you know, catching a ball over the middle, whatever it might be. And it loosened things up for Cortland Sutton. And I'm just not sure Anderson has that kind of skill set. Yeah, and the thing about Anderson, too, he's extremely injury-prone, Chad. Every single season, he has some major malady, and I wouldn't want the Broncos spending $8, $10 million on that guy when they can go to the draft and get one for pennies, a younger guy with more upside who fits the offense better than forcing Robbie Anderson to this team. I agree. He's a great uh, burner. He's a great long-speed route runner, but that's all he really offers, and you really wanted to spend $10 million on that guy when you have priorities elsewhere and a draft where one of the top receivers could fall into your lap. So... I understand the thinking behind it. They definitely need another wide receiver, a wide receiver too, but not Anderson, not for my money. Christy jumps in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you so much. Also, Stu jumps in, $10 donation, two of our biggest uh, superstars on Super Chat. Ryan says, I'm sorry my reaction to anybody saying that Drew Locke is not the man is being a troll. Sorry, this is not the time or the place to say that. I think that's that's a fair criticism, but there are still going to be those guys like Joel Klatt. Again, all due respect to him. The man, I mean, he's a very knowledgeable analyst. I think he works for Fox Sports now, but he's a very, very knowledgeable guy. But he's no different than a lot. I mean, he's human, and it's human nature to want to not be wrong, not be proven wrong. And Drew Locke, if he did anything in those five starts for the Broncos as a rookie, he proved a lot of people wrong, including – you know, the half the team that could have drafted him in the first round, including the Broncos, that allowed him to slip into the second round. The Broncos are lucky that they were still able to get him, but he proved those guys wrong as well. 
I mean, I wouldn't say that anyone who thinks Locke isn't the answer is a troll. It's just that the national media is so not in tune with the Broncos' inner workings. They don't keep day-to-day updates and day-to-day tabs on the Broncos like Chad and I do or any other members of the media, anyone who covers the team, any fans even. They don't understand what really goes on behind the scenes. They don't know how the Broncos got to this point. They don't see what Locke has done for this offense, done for this team. So I don't really fault Clad or Rank for making those headline-grabbing predictions, but I don't agree with them at all. Jason jumps in with a $5 donation Thank on you, Super Chat. Appreciate you, brother. He says, Locke's quarterback coach, I think, is good, especially teamed up with Scangarello, being a past quarterback coach together, building one giant lock. Now, that, of course, Jason's speaking to T.C. McCartney. And the one thing that you got to like about the T.C. McCartney, Rich Scangarello kind of team-up partnership here is that they do have history working together in San Francisco when Skangs was a quarterback's coach and McCartney was some kind of an offensive assistant quality control. He got a promotion to follow Skangs here and become a quarterback's coach. What Skangs proved in San Francisco, though, is because he was a big part of the trade, the evaluation that led to the Niners trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of people don't know that, but he rubber-stamped that. He did a ton of of pre trade uh, research and analysis on him, presented a grade, presented a this is a guy we should go for type of evaluation. Same can be said for Nick Mullins, who he earmarked in the draft, went undrafted, brought him in. And even though he was like third, fourth guy initially on the depth chart, they kept him around and ended up paying dividends. I'm not quite so sure off the top of my head now I think about it, how much, if anything, Skangs had to do with the C.J. Beathard pick. But if he proved anything in San Francisco, and it's one of the things obviously that drew Elway and the Broncos to him, it's that he has an innate ability to teach and develop as a quarterback's guy. It still remains to be seen exactly what kind of a play caller and what kind of game day feel in game, you know, instinct this guy has. That's going to, that's going to be a skill set that he's going to have to continue to hone. But the one thing I don't doubt is that the guys that need to be, uh, be developed are going to get developed and locks debut in 2019, I think is case in point for that. It's something I said on a pod a few weeks ago. You can separate Scangarello into a play caller and Scangarello as an instructor and a teacher. And I think as a teacher, he's done a bang-up job this year with Brandon Allen and, and uh, Drew Locke building up those quarterbacks. Can't really hold him at fault for Joe Flacco. But as a play caller, he will get better. He will improve. And I got to give some credit to McCartney, Chad. I wasn't crazy about that hire. I thought he was way too young, 29 years old, didn't really have a resume. But he came in there and he helped build up these quarterbacks, and he deserves some credit as well. The Broncos are on the right track. If they can just just keep Locke's development above water and Scangarello can get a little more confident as a play caller, they have a good offense here. Larry jumps in with a question. Wolf or Harris, who is more likely to stay in Denver? I assume, Larry, you're talking about Shelby. Now, Zach and I have made it no secret which one of those guys we each probably would prefer the Broncos to resign. But from a brass tax prediction perspective, Zach, what's your answer for Larry on which guy you think is more likely to stay in Denver? Oh, man, my heart and my brain are kind of conflicting. My brain tells me it's going to be Shelby Harris because he's the younger player, I think, with more upside. Uh, But Derek Wolf is the proven veteran. He had a career year under Vic Fangio's scheme. He'd probably be a little cheaper than Shelby Harris. So either way, I think the Broncos are fairly confident they can bring back one of them. And if they can, that would ultimately be a good good move for the defense. I think the safer bet is that it's Derek Wolf who ends up coming back. But you can't completely write off Shelby Harris coming back either as well or instead because, you know, he's Eric Trickle, who we had on the show a couple days ago. He had a great kind of uh, comparison analysis piece on those two at milehighhuddle.com earlier this week. I encourage each one of you guys to go check that out. 
broke down some advanced analytics and metrics to kind of determine which guy was the most effective under Fangio and thus which guy would end up being more valuable to the team from a ability perspective versus also a cost perspective, a value perspective. It's worth a read. Shelby Harris, he really had his moments. And especially in the one thing that I like about Shelby that you haven't quite seen as much from Derek Wolf is even though Derek Wolf was a guy who, when he got hurt, was leading the team in sacks, Shelby Harris, since he became a Bronco and even since before he became a starter, has a knack, Zach, for making plays in the clutch. I can think of three just right off the top of my head. Blocked a kick in 2017 that gave the Broncos a win uh, in uh, the season opener. You think of that interception against Big Ben in the Steelers last year, 2018. This year, of course, the tip pass when the Raiders are trying to go for the two-point conversion to win it at the end of the season finale. Those are just three. And there's something to be said for players who show up big in big, crucial moments. And that's one thing I got to tip my cap to Shelby Harris. However, he just wasn't the same consistent player from a nuts and bolts perspective that Derek Wolf was. And they're so close in age. They're they're about one year apart. You would think that they'd be a little bit farther, but Shelby's going to be 29 by the time next season starts. Wolf, you know, he's 30 now. So it's a tough decision. I don't envy the Broncos this. My, you know, they're, I, I could see it going either way, but ultimately, Zach, I think the most likely outcome is Wolf. But that doesn't mean you should write off Harris either because he proved that he could play in Fangio's scheme. Another big moment was having two sacks on Mahomes. I mean, the guy is just all around the football chat all the time. He just makes plays and the batted passes and the pass rushing prowess. That's tough to teach from a five technique uh, defensive end or whatever you want to play him at in this defense. You don't really get that production that much. And he's younger. I think he has more upside than Wolf, obviously. I just, if, if it was under my jurisdiction, my call, I would bring back Shelby Harris. I would not. Uh, waste money on an a, a injury-prone player like Derek Wolf, who's in his 30s now, who kind of is at the tail end, the back nine of his career. Pay Shelby Harris for his production and pay him for what you're going to, you know, the potential you think you're going to get on that defense. So I would pay him. I just think Wolf will be a little more likely to take a discount, be a little cheaper in Denver for the long run. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. 
Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. There, Beamer YT jumps in and says, what do you think Denver will pick in the upcoming 2020 draft? What is most needed for the 2020 season? You know, this is one of those questions that has kind of evolved for both of us, I think, since, let's say, midway through the actual season, we're maybe thinking one way. By the time you get to the end of it, you see different rookies come to the to the surface and show out like Drew Locke did, and you see other veterans kind of disappear or regress or get hurt, and it ends up kind of forming a different picture for you from an analysis perspective. Zach, for me at this stage, I really think it comes down to building the nest around Locke in the most literal way, offense. Because Fangio's going to make up – there's there's going to be some losses on the defensive side of the ball in terms of personnel, veterans. I mean, Derek Wolf, free agent. Chris Harris, free agent. Shelby Harris, free agent. Adam Gotts is free agent. Justin Simmons, free agent. There's going to be some losses there. But Fangio's expertise and his acumen as a, as a defensive czar is going to help cover and make up for any possible holes that might end up coming out on that side. I think at this stage – the quickest way to get this team's act to turn the corner is to stock the shelves, give Locke as many weapons, and protect him. Build that whole side of the ball up. This, I think, 2020 doesn't mean you ignore the defense, and you also have to stay true to whatever your board is. But I think kind of the, the priority and the focus, it needs to stay on the offensive side of the ball. And for me, that starts in round one with a you know a burner wide receiver, but not just a straight-line guy like Robbie Anderson, uh, Henry Ruggs. Chenault from uh, Colorado, a couple of guys off the top of my head there, pick 15 that could be there, or offensive tackle. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the three most likely scenarios are offensive line, uh, wide receiver, or cornerback. And I think I would wait on a corner for the second or third or fourth rounds. That's not a dire position considering Fangio's prowess. I, I happen to think I'm with you. you got to build up Locke's confidence on and off the field. you got to put him in the best possible position to succeed. He doesn't have a wide receiver, too, right now, Chad. At least he has a starting lineman. At least he has tackles on the roster. He literally doesn't have a burner wide receiver at his disposal. So I think that needs to be priority number one. And depending on how the board falls, they can go tackle, they can go guard, they can maybe trade down, but they got to do everything in their power to help lock this year. He is the most important piece of this organization, not just for 2020, but for beyond. Nick says, hey, Chad and Zach, kick the tires on Des Bryant or Kelvin Benjamin. I say nay, Zach, because both those guys are kind of busted down and older. Yeah, of course, Des more so than Kelvin Benjamin. However, you already have, even if they were still on the back nine of their prime, you already have that dynamic in your offense, that kind of <clears throat> explosive big-bodied receiver. In Cortland Sutton, It's you need the complementary pieces, not a carbon copy. You already have a lesser carbon copy in Tim Patrick. You have enough possession, guys. Why would you want to bring in Kelvin Benjamin? That's a name I haven't heard for a couple of years now. And, and Des Bryant's a guy. 50 almost. Yeah, it's going way back. And Des Bryant, I, I wouldn't bring that type of cancer into the locker room. He makes waves wherever he goes. And he was once a good receiver, but I don't think anymore. You need a young, true speedster burner type. That's not Benjamin. That's not Des Bryant. Our friend Dylan jumps back in with a $10 donation. Thank you. Ben Minute. 
Nice seeing you again. Boy is back. Been busy as of late, but I haven't stopped watching. Appreciate you, Dylan. That means a lot, buddy. And we've missed you. We have missed you. That's one of the cool things about these live pods since we started doing them, and we've been doing them every day, every week since the beginning of the 2019 regular season. The thing that we love about it is being able to talk to Broncos fans and the supporters of this show in real time. You're contributing to the conversation. You as a listener are and a viewer live like this. You are contributing to the actual content of the show. Right. And it's I think it's better than Zach, like with radio, you got the text line, you got call-ins, and that's all good. That engagement is fun. It can be compelling, and fans can kind of feel like they can make an impact. But I think it takes a backseat to this kind of a real-time involvement and engagement. Yeah, Chad, I don't think anyone, at least in the Broncos sphere, is doing what we do. But in terms of Broncos country, this show is just as much your guys as it is ours. I mean, you make the engine go uh, for this show, and you guys taking us to new heights, and we try to interact and, and get around to you guys as much as possible. We love engaging. We love answering the questions. So we're not going to stop, and we are so appreciative that everyone's tuning in and contributing. We do appreciate it, and every single one never goes unnoticed. Micah says, say Ruggs falls to Denver at 15 and they take him. Do you think he's a guy that can help right away or will it take him a few years? You, you know, you never can say for sure on any draft prospect and you can, and that's doubly true for wide receivers. But I think he is the type of player, especially in tandem with Locke yeah. and kind of that, that triumvirate across from also Cortland Sutton factoring then in also Noah Fant factoring then in also Philip Lindsay. I think he's a guy that could step in kind of like Eddie Royal did back in 2008. And as a rookie, you know, give you 800 to a thousand yards and, you know, 70 to 80 receptions and half a dozen touchdowns. It might take him a little while to develop his NFL route tree, but in terms of immediate day one production, get on the field and run in a straight line really fast. I mean, you always have need for those receivers, and the and the acclimation process is a lot easier for wideouts than it is for tight ends. And you saw Noah Fant last year. He started off slow, but he did come around. Wide receivers, if they have a particular skill set, they can run really fast. They're good possession guys. They can make day one impact. Look at A.J. Brown. Look at Hollywood Brown this year. Two rookie wide receivers, two great ones. They can come in and step in right away. The Broncos need that and rugs if he was drafted by denver would make an instant impact in this offense josh jumping in with both wow. feet 50 dollars donation you, on super chat dang bro that means a ton thank you yeah that's uh, that's stunning dude thank you so much he says chris jones and wolf would be amazing up front i concur i'd yep. love to see chris jones in the orange and blue it would to me be even sweeter than when uh, Neil Smith defected back in the mid to late 90s and went from the Chiefs to the Broncos and helped Denver win back-to-back -back world championships because I think Chris Jones is a – and this is saying something, and even though it's in retrospect, it's been 20 years, et cetera, I do think Chris Jones is a more dynamic player now than Neil Smith was when he joined the Broncos back then. I would love to see Chris Jones. Problem is, Zach, he's already intimated on social media he would prefer not to come to Denver. <laughs> and – on top of that, I'll still be surprised if the Chiefs ultimately let him hit the open market before trying to get him tied up. You know, they've got a little bit more time before they have to pay Mahomes. And if you're going to hold on to anybody, you want to keep that defense because they were playing really well down the stretch. You're going to need Chris Jones. Otherwise, Frank Clark's all you got from any kind of affecting the passing game, right. disrupting, penetrating the backfield perspective. That's all you got. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs also will keep Chris Jones, but if it came down to it, I don't think the Broncos would re-sign Wolf and add Chris Jones as kind of one or the other, but either scenario, I'd love to have a pass rusher like that. But that's also why I come back to Shelby Harris, Chad, a guy who's early in the system. I wouldn't say he was Chris Jones-level talent, but he's right there. He can rush the passer. He can make plays. So if they want a guy like that, just re-sign, re-sign Shelby, lock him down, and go to work. Glenn says, I watch this show all the time on YouTube, but I've noticed there has been no mention of Andy Janovich hurting the running game, and I feel his injury also hurt Freeman's production. You know, it's it's a fair observation, Glenn, to, to point out that when Andy Janovich went down, I think for a time, for a good quarter of the season, it affected the running game. And you could probably argue it affected the running game from then on out. But I think the Broncos – with the help of Andrew Beck being kind of a Swiss Army utility knife for the team, they eventually adjusted and figured out how to you know move the needle. But it was nowhere near as pro- prolific and productive as it was even in 2018. That's one of the biggest things that, for example, Zach, even though Philip Lindsay got over a thousand again this year, the reason he didn't make the Pro Bowl again was because those big plays that were, I mean, he was usually good for at least two big splash plays you know, at least one of them being a scoring play as a rookie. And those were missing this year. And I think it's fair to say, I mean, as consistently, don't get me wrong, Philip Lindsay did make some plays, but as consistently as they were in 2018. And I think it's a fair, it's fair to question whether or not that had something to do with the absence of Andy Janovich. Uh, Janovich for sure, hurt, his absence for sure hurt, but also what affected the Broncos was the play calling from Scangarello. It was very inconsistent. He called outside runs for Lindsey, excuse me, for Freeman and inside runs for Lindsey. It, it wasn't taking uh, advantage of their skill set. So once that gets down more, maybe not with Royce Freeman in the picture, but Lindsey, you'll see more plays out of the backfield, regardless of Janovich's status. Christy says, I'm not sure if you touched on Jawan James or Callahan while I was gone. But what do you think they'll do with these guys? Cutting James loose would be a huge hit. And Callahan, can they keep him healthy? Mm-hmm. I don't. I think both players are going to end up being Broncos again in 2020, just yeah. because of the financial constraints. It's a little bit more hanging their backside out to dry if they were to move on from Juwan James than it would be Bryce Callahan. But if you're to believe what John Elway said in his end of season press conference, Zach, he talked about how their the team. You know, listen, obviously it didn't shake out the way we wanted it to. There was perhaps some, you know, uh, miscommunications in terms of the severity of the Juwan James knee injury. But ultimately, you have to trust the player. And if the player says that he can't go on that injury, whatever it might be, you got to trust it. And he basically said, Zach, that they believe he's going to be an impact player next year. And the same goes for Callahan. So whether or not that's the right or wrong decision, that's not what I'm saying, but I would expect both to be in Denver again next year. Yeah, both should be in Denver and both should start at their respective positions. You got to just hope they, they remain healthy. And I think they were extra cautious with Bryce Callahan for the future, not just for 2019, but to keep their investment healthy for the long run. And I think he will be barring any setbacks. And Juwan James, if you could just get on the field, he's a good tackle when he's healthy. And if you could just get on the field and stay healthy, the Broncos... Uh, All the money they spent, we put to good use in 2020. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Terry jumps in. He says, great show as always, you, guys, with the $5 donation. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate you. And by the way, Terry, you should reach out to us on uh, milehighhuddle at gmail.com and give us your personal deets so we can send you a little bit of swag as a thank you for supporting the show the way you have, especially lately, man. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see what else we have here from Mark. Can Elway's quarterback carousel be a blessing in disguise? A lot of other teams seem to stick with average quarterbacks for years, i.e. Jameis Winston. Elway swings but doesn't get too attached. Fair point. I think all of it, in a sense, Zach, that's what I, that's part of what I was saying at the end of that uh, Tom Brady article I published yesterday, which is, you know, the Broncos went – they spent their time in the desert, right, wandering post-Super Bowl 50. They went through and paid their dues the hard way, going through quarterback after quarterback, losing double-digit games, picking in the top 10 of the draft two years in a row. I mean, they took their lumps – and we finally saw in the second, well, down the stretch, the final quarter of the season, that there was a shift. And that mountain of sacrifice is going to end up becoming, it's going to pay dividends for the team down the road. Part of that was swinging on the quarterbacks that you knew that ended up not being the answer so that you could eventually get to and realize the guy who is the answer. And that's Drew Locke. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. He, I wouldn't praise Elway for not getting attached because who is he going to get attached to, Chad, in the last four years? I mean, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. Those are not guys you want to hitch the wagon to the star to. So I can understand why he kept swinging. That's what you have to do as an NFL GM. This is him doing his job. It doesn't deserve praise. He had to find a franchise quarterback, and he delayed that process, and he went around that process, and he tried to skirt that process, and you can't do it. He finally committed to it in 2019. And it's paying dividends. Appreciate you, Max. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to contribute to the conversation. Justin says, is there any reason Broncos would waste even a dollar on keeping Joe Flacco as a backup, regardless if he wants to or not? Can he be shown the door yes. ASAP? And he will be shown the door. John Elway wouldn't commit to that at the end of season presser. The Broncos are doing something a little bit different this year than they've done in years past, and that is the coaches in the front office 
they are taking a, a step back from the team for maybe a month or so to kind of recharge, reset, let the emotions of the season kind of die down and then face this thing with an objective perspective and scrutiny. One of those issues is going to be what to do with Joe Flacco because, you know, he's going to cost basically north of 20 million next year. There's no way in H-E double hockey sticks he's going to be a Bronco. A, he doesn't want to be a backup, even though he started kind of talking like, if that's what it takes for me to play, then I'll do you. Well, backups don't play, dude. Anyway, that's right. neither here nor there. But even if he wants to stay, Zach, he just you need to, you need to clean that out. He was supposed to be the guy short term while Locke developed, and there was that. There's an aspect of split locker room loyalty, and I'm not saying that exists now, but you run the risk because this is very clearly Drew Locke's team now. But if you keep a guy like Joe Flacco around, who's been down the road, he's going to be going into his 13th year. He won a Super Bowl. If you keep him around, you just run the risk of that. The better thing to do is if you think you need a veteran quarterback to help kind of support Locke, back him up and show him the ropes a little bit as well. Go find someone else outside, bring him in. But you got to cut bait with Flacco ASAP. That guy was a quintessential bust and just wasn't the guy this team needed from a moxie, a leadership perspective. Didn't fit the offense. He just, there's nothing about him that you value at this stage. There's nothing about what he did in that first eight games, Zach, that makes you go, yeah, you know, we ought to keep him around. I, for one, will pay money, Chad, for him to leave the Broncos. I will help the guy pack. I will drive him to the airport. He needs to be out of Denver as soon as possible. You hit on it. He brings nothing but bad energy to that locker room. This is coming from a guy in Flacco who literally admitted publicly, I don't want to be a mentor to him. And everything we saw on the sideline after his injury, his quote-unquote injury, he was ignoring uh, Drew Locke. He had his back to the field. He doesn't want to be there. He needs to retire and hang him up, at least get out of Denver. So he's not going to come back. He shouldn't be back. And that was, I think, Elway's worst quarterback move in a long list of them. Let's grab a couple more here, and then we will head on out for tonight from Chris. He says, hey, guys, definitely love the show. Do you think the Broncos will make a run at Kareem Hunt? If he's available, wouldn't surprise me. I I've said it before on this podcast since the season ended that Kareem Hunt's a guy. I'm a believer in second chances. I'm a believer that if a person shows a sincere uh, humbleness and and penitence, and you know that they were sorry for what they did and they you know want to turn over a new leaf and make a change, I'm a believer in second chances. As repugnant as what he did was and ugly and just wrong. You know, if he's apologizing, he's sincere about it, which it appears to me that he is, give him another chance. The NFL has given him another chance, and I think the Denver Broncos could really capitalize on his skill set. I mean, he was one of the best backs in the league there for about a two-year stretch. That, Yeah, I'm not big on always connecting free agents to the Broncos because those signings rarely happen, but this is one guy that I would not mind the Broncos splurging on. He would be uh, an instant upgrade on Royce Freeman. You can even say he would push Lindsey for starting duties. That would be a monster backfield for Drew Locke. He can catch, he can run block, or pass block, excuse me, and he can obviously run the ball well. So one guy, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would certainly not shed any tears if they sign Kareem Hunt. Miller 707 champ is dying to, oops, sorry, hold on a second. Jason, I'll get to you, Miller 707. Jason jumps in, $5 donation, says thanks for the great Broncos news. Thank you, Jason. Jason thank you, bro, for your support. means the world to us. 707 Miller champ, he uh, wants to know about Michael Pittman Jr. I'd be lying to you if I were to tell you that I knew everything there is to know about him. Wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken, from USC. But uh, that's probably a better question for Nick, Carl, next time we have Eric on, 
talk to him about that. He, you can get a real evaluation. He says, I think we should go cornerback in the first round and get Pittman in the second. If the right corner's there in the first round, I'm all for it. If it's uh, Okada, uh, Christian Fulton, and Diggs from Alabama, if any three of those guys, one of those three guys are there at 15, depending on who you're stepping over to draft them, like if it, if Ruggs is there, I'm not sure. If Well, if it came down to Ruggs or Okuda, you take Okuda. If it came down to Ruggs or Wurfs, you take Wurfs. But outside of those different, you know, outlier, unlikely situations transpiring, I think you got to, if you're going with with uh, cornerback, this is a deep class, Zach, and this was something Eric Trickle wrote about today, talked about it on the show a couple days ago. This is a very deep cornerback class, so unless it's the right guy, don't go out of your way to draft a corner in the first round just to say you drafted a corner in the first round because this is arguably, according to Trickle, one of the deepest cornerback classes that has we've seen in many years. Yeah, do not reach in the first round, and I wouldn't go cornerback unless someone like Okuda fell in the Broncos' laps. And even if he does, it would be in comparison to the other players on the board. If you're giving me a choice of Jerry Judy versus Okuda, I'm taking Judy. I'm just taking the wide receiver and building up this offense. They can get a corner in the second, third, fourth round, whatever. That's not dire right now. But they literally do not have a wide receiver two on the roster, and until they get one, that offense is always going to be missing that big play explosion. So... I'm still of the opinion you got to help Drew Locke out. Wide receiver needs to be the top priority. If not that, maybe offensive line. Cornerback for me, Chad, in the first round is a distant third option. Josh Monsman jumps in with a $4 donation you, on Josh. Super Chat. Appreciate you, Josh. says, do you think Von Miller will be a lifetime Bronco? And let's, let's give this some context just for a second before we d- uh, discuss this, Zach, because – I think most Dallas Cowboys fans believed that DeMarcus Ware was going to be a lifetime Cowboy. I mean, he was already in the top 10 for sacks, and he was the franchise's all-time leader in sacks when they cut him loose in 2014, made him a street-free agent. The Broncos swooped in, signed him. Von Miller, however, has accomplished a few things that DeMarcus Ware hadn't at that point in his career, one of which was helping a team win a Super Bowl and being named Super Bowl MVP. Von Miller in Denver might even be bigger at this point than DeMarcus Ware was at his peak in Dallas. It's not exactly apples to apples, but what I'm trying to do here is kind of set the stage for Von Miller. We know, based on what Elway said, they plan on picking up his option this year. Then he has, I think, Zach, one more. Is that right? Yeah, I believe. So I think you got he's he's going to be around. I'd be I'd be surprised if he ends up playing for anybody besides the Broncos. To be honest, and this is going to thing I think where twenty twenty will dictate how the Broncos handle Von Miller in the future because he is coming up for a contract, another contract soon, and we know the the extended holdout and the bad blood taking place between Elway and, and Von Miller, and that even was fairly recent. Chat with his mom getting involved, so uh, he definitely had a down season this year, Von. He wasn't the Von that we know, but he was injured. It was a new system, new scheme. Once we see what he can do in year two with Fangio, I think that will dictate his future in Denver. All right, guys, listen up. Oh, TG jumping in right as I'm about to sign up. Right at the buzzer, brother. Thank you. $5 donation. You are the man. Uh, Miller, 707 champ. How do I send you? If you want to donate to, to the channel, you can do it on Super Chat. You're on YouTube. You just push the button as far as I know. But we appreciate any any considerations on that for us. It means a ton. But, guys, that's got to do it for today's podcast. As always, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. 
That's simply the best way for you to keep your finger on top of everything that's happening with the show, Broncos news analysis in real time. And then again, a reminder, if you get a second, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review. Even if you're not listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, you're listening on YouTube, you're listening on Facebook, you're listening on Stitcher, wherever you're listening, just head on over there for a second, leave us a quick review. It's a great way to help support the show. And then don't forget where you can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Pretty much every podcast we do now is a mailbag. We we get questions and we do the engagement with all our fans and listeners of the show. But uh, tomorrow especially is going to be Thursday night, Mile High Mailbag. So bring the questions, bring that Thunder Broncos country. And uh, we'll be back then at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And until then, Zach, my brother, have a good night. You as well. I'll see you tomorrow night, Chad. And anyone who wants to hit us up on Twitter too, get in the questions early, we will take those on the show as well. Amen. Talk to you guys then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.